0: You are listening to The Shtender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. Over the course of the evening, I've been talking a little bit about the ways in which Shabbat is like a vacation, a destination that we can go to in time rather than in space, right? So you may not have the opportunity, even though you might like to today, to uh, to go to the to go to somewhere you know tropical and sandy, right? Uh, to get away from the uh, rigors and, and uh, movements of your life. But Shabbat itself affords us that opportunity, affords us that escape, affords us that uh, uh, the, the 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 space to be a part from our regular week. I don't know if you're like me, but I always find that my vacations are much more enjoyable if I do a little work in planning them beforehand there's some value and some people love just kind of like winging it, right? Like hopping on a plane, they don't know where they're going, and uh, and they get to a place, they don't know where they're going to stay, they don't know what they're going to be doing there, they didn't bring any money with them, uh, they have to beg, for whatever it is, right? Some people really enjoy that. Um, that's not my temperament necessarily. i could like a little bit of that spontaneity, but I often find that at least some degree of planning, makes my vacations more enjoyable. I don't have the anxiety and the stress of, okay, you know, now I'm in uh, San Juan, where am I going to stay? And oh yeah, by the way, I don't speak Spanish, right? The same is true of the vacation in time, the destination in time of Shabbat. Like so many things in life, Shabbat, one gets out of what one puts into it. One gets out of it what one puts into it. Now, I don't necessarily need to, for many people in this room, uh, spend time outlining why I think that uh, that, that Shabbat as a vacation from uh, the rigors of our life is a good thing. In some ways, I think even if you don't observe Shabbat, my guess is that you uh, acknowledge that uh, that that has value, that's self-evident in some way, right? We all need a rest. We all need a rest. but We all need um, uh, time apart from uh, the uh, from the pace of our busy, busy lives. But what I think is less self-evident is the extent to which that sh- the extent to which Shabbat can be enriched and is enriched by our planning beforehand, by our work beforehand, and I often talk to people who come to me and say, you know, I, I started that Shabbos thing that you uh, uh, told me about, sometimes converts and things like that. They say, you know, like, you told me about it and, like, and you said it was a good thing, so like, I gave it a whirl and it was miserable. Because, like, I was hungry the whole time, and I was bored the whole time, and, like, I was lonely the whole time. I remember when I first observing, first started observing Shabbat, which was when I was in high school, I was the only one in my family who observed Shabbat, the only one of my friends who observed Shabbat, and I quickly learned the difference between the Shabbatot where I didn't think about or plan what I was going to do for Shabbat beforehand, and the Shabbatot where I put a lot of thought and planning into what I was going to do beforehand, what I was going to eat, who I was going to have over, what I was going to do with those people. And the quality of the Shabbat was radically transformed by what I put into it, by the effort and the energy I put into planning that Shabbat. Our Parsha, our Torah portion this weekend, talks about this. So Parsha is Bisharach. It is the beginning of the Exodus of Egypt. The Israelites had just left Egypt, and while they're in the wilderness, they have no food, so they complain to God, and God says, Okay, I'll give you food. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And that bread is called man or manna. The interesting thing about the man, the interesting about the manna is, you were only allowed to collect as much as you and your family needed for that particular day. It, you couldn't keep it over until the next day, or it would rot and become worm infested. And so, you know, people tested that out in the, in the Torah portion. They got a lot, and kept it over the next day, and it rotted and got worm infested. But there's a problem because on Shabbat, which had just been given to the Jewish people, ways in which Shabbat is traditionally observed is that you're not allowed to carry in and out of of your house. You're not allowed to go out and collect things and bring them back to your house. So, if you are only allowed to collect enough enough manna for that one day, what do you do on Shabbat? That's the question, the problem that the Torah creates for itself, and it resolves with a miracle. The miracle is that on Friday the Jewish people could go out and collect as much man as they needed for both Friday and Shabbat. And miraculously, the extra man that they had kept for Shabbat would last them through Shabbat and wouldn't become rotten and worm-infested like it would the rest of the week. Now there are a lot of insights, I think, that that story teaches, but one of them is exactly what we're talking about. What the Torah portion is telling us is that there is a primary value in planning ahead of what our Shabbat observance is going to look like and feel like and be like. And to the extent that we do, the Talmud says one who toils on Erev Shabbat, on the eve of Shabbat, gets to enjoy more the fruits of Shabbat. Born out in our Torah portion, somebody who goes out and collects what they need on Friday, gets to eat on Shabbat. Somebody who doesn't go out and collect what they need on Friday doesn't get to enjoy what they collected on Shabbat. We're all familiar, I'm sure, with um, the song that many people traditionally sing at their Shabbat dinner table before Kiddush, before the blessing over the wine. It's a song called Shalom Alechem. Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Ashari, Malachi Elyon, right, which means peace be upon you ministering angels. It's an interesting song. What we're doing in that song is welcoming angels into our home. Why are we welcoming angels into our home? The Talmud says because every Friday two angels follow a person home to their, uh, to their house. One angel is a celebratory angel, a ministering angel, the other is an accusing angel. And if a person walks home to a home that is ready and prepared for Shabbat, the accusing angel is forced to say, may it be like this for that individual each and every week. But if a person walks home on Friday and the home is not ready for Shabbat yet, doesn't have food prepared, doesn't have a plan of who's coming over to celebrate the day, the ministering angel gets his arm twisted and is forced to say, May it be like this every week. And my prayer, my blessing for each of us is that we put into Shabbat what we hope to get out of it, that we do a little pre-planning and preparation to enjoy the fruits of Shabbat, so that always that accusing angel is forced to say, May it be like.